Greetings, friend. Welcome back to the Wayfarer Podcast. I'm Tom Vanderwell. Thanks so much for joining me again today on our chapter a day journey where we find ourselves in John chapter 9. Verse 39 was the one that resonated in me this morning. It said, Jesus said, for judgment, I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. Today's podcast is entitled, Blinded by the Light. Now, the world has changed dramatically in the 40 years I've been a follower of Jesus. When I began my journey as a teenager, I observed and experienced that Judeo-Christian thought was a dominant worldview in culture. Even those who chose not to believe typically respected the tradition and basic tenets. At least that's what I observed back then. Fundamentalist movements like the Moral Majority and Christian coalitions sought political power in those days to legalize their morals and beliefs. And a generation later, 40 years, I observed that the cultural pendulum has swung to the opposite side. Now, I confess, Christians and the institutions of Christian religion are largely to blame. Child abuse swept under the rug, televangelists conning people out of their money in order to build earthly empires of ego, abandoning our call to care for the poor and needy while satiating our edifice complexes, ignoring racism in our midst, and high-profile sex scandals of megachurch celebrity pastors. I mean, all these things have eroded public trust and respect, and so they should. People are leaving churches in droves. Churches are closing. In fact, in Canada, churches are being burned to the ground, and no one seems to notice or care. Fundamentalism on the opposite side of the spectrum now seeks to legalize their morals and worldview. Now, as an amateur historian, I often think about what I make of all this and where it's all going to lead. Today's chapter has become one of my favorite stories in all of the great story from Genesis to Revelation. After yesterday's showdown with the religious leaders, we learn that they have done what institutions always do with people who are a threat to their power and control. They outlaw Jesus and anyone who follows him. So if you believe that Jesus is who he says he is, then the religious leaders are going to cancel you, you'll be a social outcast, and they're going to throw you out of the synagogue. Now, fundamentalist movements of every kind have all of the same tactics. They maintain strict in-group and out-group distinctions. Forty years ago, I watched fundamentalist churches publicly shaming and kicking out homosexuals or women who got pregnant out of wedlock or men with long hair in the fundamentalist Bible college I attended for one semester. Today, woke fundamentalists are canceling and shaming anyone who doesn't march lockstep with their worldview. Different group, different beliefs but the same fundamentalist playbook. And while the religious leaders are busy threatening people with cancellation, Jesus heals a man who had been born blind. Now, he heals him on the Sabbath day of rest, which is only going to push the buttons of his opponents. It was already a point of contention between them, and Jesus addressed it head-on during his public teaching earlier that week. Jesus said to them, I did one miracle. And you're all amazed. Yet because Moses gave you circumcision, though actually it didn't come from Moses, but from the patriarchs, you circumcise a boy on the Sabbath. 
Now, if a boy can be circumcised on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses may be broken, why are you angry with me for healing a man's whole body on the Sabbath? Stop judging by mere appearances. Instead, judge correctly. That's John 7, verses 21 through 24. Now, the religious leaders launch an investigation into the healing of this blind man because that's also in the institutional playbook. It becomes obvious that the investigation is really not about getting to the truth, but maintaining control and finding reason to officially discredit Jesus. They call in the man's parents as part of the investigation. Afraid of being canceled, they plead ignorance and pass the buck back to the son. They summon the man a second time. But they're only interested in entrenching themselves and doubling down on the official institutional narrative. Jesus, meanwhile, introduces himself to the former blind man who becomes a believer and a follower because, well, he was blind and now he can see. Jesus then makes a fascinating statement. I've come into the world so that the blind will see like this man, and those who see will become blind. How fascinating to think that the light of the world causes some to see while causing others to be blind. I'm not always sure what to make of that, though I've certainly observed it. Along my spiritual journey, I've known many people who, like me, claim the same testimony as the blind man in today's chapter after experiencing Jesus' amazing grace. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. I've also known many people who have never experienced it and tell me I'm the one who am blinded by my faith. And that's fine. They have their journey. I'm walking mine. So in the quiet this morning, I'm reminded of why I try to maintain a healthy skepticism of human institutions of every kind, especially those who operate by the fundamentalist playbook. I'm also reminded of the Jesus that I'm following, not the plastic caricature that the institutional church has painted over the centuries to maintain power and control, but the wayfaring nobody from backwater Nazareth who threatened earthly, institutional, religious, and political power with simple, divine love for blind beggars, children, women caught in adultery, racially oppressed, divorced women, blue-collar fishermen, lepers, and me, a broken, adulterous, divorced, sinful nobody from a small town in Iowa. I see in him the one I want to be. And so, I press on into my day and continue to follow. I hope you have a great day wherever it finds you, my friend. We'll see you back here tomorrow.